and welcome to the 551 podcast. My name is Wes Berdine. We are back. I am here with Rodrigo Sanchez Chevaria, with Mark Fangmeyer, with Corey Shreppel. Uh, we are in Shea Shreppel. Uh, oh, we, we actually prefer the Shrepcot Center. <laughs> Center yeah. uh, we have a charcuterie board, mm-hmm. uh, which has now driven us out of retirement. We're going to do this every Monday night because uh-huh. uh, charcuterie yeah. board. Yeah, we're recording actually on a Friday night. Uh, it's a big Halloween special here. Uh, anyone have Halloween costumes that they're going as? I hate Halloween personally, um, so I am going to go as what I always go with, which is sexy Mark Fangmeyer. Yep. Absolutely. So you know, that that one just never gets old. It yep. doesn't. I think I'm going to dress up as someone without anxiety. <laughs> what, does that, what does that look like? What you? does that look like? Seriously. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I'm it's scary, really, it's really scary nervous though. how I'm going to pull it off. <laughs> like, how are you going to do that? Um, uh, Emil, we just finished Clone Wars this week, uh, yeah, just last night, and Emil's favorite character all, in Clone Wars. All seven seasons? All seven seasons. Wow. Emil's favorite character are the clones. Um, he actually, by the end, uh, spoiler alert, he was cheering for the clones. And, and mad <laughs> Kill those they, bastards. Mad that they were fighting. <laughs> they had it coming. He, he's um, going to love Bad Batch but, uh, when he's he gets got to watch a, it. He's got a, a 3D helmet. A uh, 3D printed helmet that his bro- my brother uh, made for him and, and is going to come tomorrow. So I'm do very you, excited. But wait, is just, it a, is it a is, who's the captain again? Captain Rex. He's going to be Rex. Rex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. going to be Rex. Rex. Yeah. Yeah. Do, yeah. Is Emil going to listen to this and then have it spoiled for him? Um, no, he knows about. It. He's very excited. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. He's he's. We've been preparing for to paint it on Sunday. Um, anyway, paint we, it like d- airbrush. Yes. Okay. <laughs> just do not. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm serious though. Like, I'm interested. Okay, I will. You picked up the colors. On Sunday. You, All right. You go to Axe Man. Is, is that what you did? And so we are going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like we never left. Oh. All right. Two we uh, we have uh, recorded exactly two podcasts this year. One to lead up into the season. And remind me, Rodrigo. In that season preview, you said there was a zero percent possibility that the team finished above seventh and below ninth. Is that that's correct, right? A zero percent. There is no meaning in the multiverse. There is literally no multiverse verse where they finish sixth, and somehow we're in the non-existent multiverse where they finished eleventh. Interesting. That flashpoint paradox, I tell you guys, it just yeah. keeps them coming back. Yeah. So uh, anyway, this is the the weird version of beyond the the multiverse, uh, where we're going to look back at this year because we want to do this in part because it's not just the end of the 2023 season, but it is also the end of the Heath era and. Um, I I don't think this podcast has ever been like a hardcore Heath out. Actually, we definitely have never been hardcore Heath out, but we also maybe never loved the man. Um, But for seven years, Minnesota United, the the entire identity. So many fans, some of you listening, you've never known a Minnesota United outside of Adrian Heath. And so, and some seven year olds. Yeah. We kind of, yes, there's literally, (laughs) there's human beings who have never existed in a world sans Heath. Uh, So we are going to kind of look back at that and then we'll look back at the season. So to start, uh, I want to kind of hit the the top end. Adrian Heath was not just the head coach of Minnesota United. Um, Pretty quickly into his career, um, he became also in charge of scouting and the technical direction. It's never been very clear, um, and so I don't actually feel bad about not 
knowing the officialness of this because the team has never bothered to try to uh, help people understand. But um, basically, since middle of 2017, Adrian Heath has had more and more eventually complete control over the sporting direction as well as coaching. Um, so I'm curious for you, over the last seven years, what what can we say about the sporting level, the structural level of the Heath era? I mean, standout moments or... I guess what I'm looking for is not just standout moments, but generally what can we say about the seven years of what this team scouting and sporting identity has been? Corey? Well, if anyone has subscribed to your Substack, you had a really great piece. Well, I'll go to that. Oh, yeah, yeah. You want to go to that. <laughs> you were yeah. going to use my notes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, listen, listen. So what happens Let me is, tell you about the thing you just wrote this week. Good artists borrow. Great artists steal, motherfucker. Um, no, I, I, I think the, the, the biggest thing for me, if there's one thing that Adrian Heath did, it was remain consistent in his tactics for better or for worse formation. Like there was at least an identity there and knowing the profile of the player for the positions that he wanted and it say what you want about how he deployed them, how he used subs, any of that, at least there was that identity and that was clear that it was a four, two, three, one counterattacking team. And he had an idea rarely ever had a full squad that matched that idea that that whatever that identity is like the the only time that that we kind of pivoted into that was early 2019 when we got Ozzy and Ike and we'll talk more about that but that was the first time where you really saw that his idea is oh this can work if you have Mm -hmm. a couple of these key players in your spine in addition to like a traditional number 10 and all that stuff. Let me read your notes for you. Yeah. Um, Which is that we obviously know that 2017, the Heath era started disastrously. Yes. uh, Quite famously. But the best period was that transition of we messed up. Let's throw some shit out. Let's redo it. And by 2019, two years later, um, it was a great team, right? Mm-hmm. So bringing in mm-hmm. Ozzy and Ike and that transition, even 2018 was not a terrible season. It wasn't very good. We still didn't make the playoffs, but at least like you could see a couple of the key pieces that were coming yeah. in. But that 2019 season, you were like, you know, we can actually be contenders. We're still literally two or three more players away from having a a like top tier cali- like starting caliber team and and that was just great to see so mark let me go to you two to three players away from uh i mean that's that is like that is there's a few two three more like striker whisper two to three players away Uh, and there's a few like cliche um goals change change games there's a few um cliches that are like burned into our brains that um uh, will melt our brains if we think too hard about them what was that structure of the team that you'll think about of the heath era no, I mean, and Corey kind of touched on it. It's the, and for better or for worse, and a lot of times it was worse, it was his commitment, oh, complete commitment for the, to the 4 2 three, one. It didn't matter, and it wasn't just a complete commitment. It was also just the inability to realize that 
you may want to play this structure, but you don't have the players to pull it off. But just trying to put any player you can into the structure, even if it didn't work, and in unwillingness to adapt uh, tactics to meet the team when, you know, I mean, you might want to have this, you know, before we've had Reynoso, we didn't have a 10 to pull off the 4-2-3-1. And so you didn't, ha- you didn't, you might not have had the players to pull off the tactics you wanted. And it was the, the, I don't know if it was just ego. I don't know if it was just, you know, inflexibility, inflexibility, just an unwillingness to change, to adapt tactics, to y- utilize the players you do have versus utilizing the players you have to play but, out of their but some coaches can do that, right? And we're going to the coaching side here, I guess. You know, I want to stay in the sporting, but some coaches have a system and they can get a player to do that. And we rare, other than like a Hassani Dotson has been able to be deployed really well throughout that system. We haven't been able to do that often of, of getting a team to work together as a coherent unit like that. But Rodrigo, what, what can you say, I guess, about um, that kind of overall uh, feeling of the the sporting side of things I, I think to start with you know 27 2018 was just a, a trying to see what we can get um, and see what we can work with spending money wise right I think 20 2019 was a year of you know Vito Minone it was also if you look at our midfielders right you had Ozzy you had Dotson you had Finley uh, Greg Oosh uh, so Greg Oosh was the DP as well mm-hmm. yeah. yep and then you had you still had um, Miguel Ibarra, you had uh, Kevin Kevin Molino and Darwin Quintero, right? And I think that's um, in it. You 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 had we understood that we had something that could be creative in some sort of way in that midfield, right? Um, uh, but uh, but at the same time, I I truly think that you know um, it wasn't until um, shall we say the. Um, not the destruction, but the separation of a lot of these players from this team that are on there, that we truly came into a realization that we need a playmaker. Hmm. And I think since then, the last three years, you can say that it's been a team that really has been a counter-attacking team. Before that, we would always say we look like a counter-attacking team. At games, we play like a counter-attacking team, but we didn't really find that sort of identity as a counter-attacking team. I remember all of us having conversations like, are we, are we not? Can We have, should be. We should be, right? Yeah. And I think it was just around that time, you know, when we had our, the last year, Kevin Molino and the first year, Reynosa, where we were beginning to, to, to realize that this really could be a um, counter-attacking team. And when you have someone who can um, can distribute the ball and create for us out of the midfield, we are able to not uh, be, we're able to use the offensive weapons that we, that we have to the best of their advantage. Yeah. The problem was is the league watches film. Yeah. Yeah. And at one point, they're going to figure out what is the best way to try to stop you. And I think the the leaving of Molino um, um, and then trying to find its replacement, they trying to make Hassani Dotson either work as a six, as an yeah. eight, or whatever. Right? A left winger. Yeah, or, yeah. Or, or a left back or a right back. Uh, and experiment um, through, through, through a lot of... Um, a lot of stuff that probably want to see, and then where we currently are now, right? Yeah. Which is probably the most talented roster 
we've yeah. seen on, and on, yet. on industry. And yet, right. yeah. we, we so, can't seem to, to do what we're supposed to be doing. So, so the, the things that stand out to me are, one overarching thing, and so Corey um, plugged for me, I did start a Substack this week, largely as a way to um, just find a way to, rather than bite-size my thoughts, really think like, let me sit down and actually put this down in lots of paragraphs. Um, and so one of the first things that, that, that stands out to me of the Heather is this kind of, uh, one of the things I, the, the gross injustices I felt was this kind of resentment toward fans and this kind of like chip on the shoulder stuff, the, the say shush stuff that like really irked me. I, I would have loved that campaign if it was actually say shush. shush. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> say shush. Yeah. Well, what the heck? So there, I did start a Substack. You can uh, check that out. I, I put it up on on uh, the, the social meds. Um, or, or if you are not on a Slack, there's a couple Minnesota United soccer Slacks, and you should message me and get on them because they're fun uh, places to talk soccer. Um, but I, I talked about that kind of resentment toward fans the, and this kind of lack of ability to understand that, like, fan interest in someone like Colin Martin coming in on a pride night is a real interest and it is not secondary to the soccer out there. Um, things like that. But really then when I think about the sporting structure, and this is the thing I was writing about uh, yesterday. And so I'm thinking a lot about, and I'm going to write more about is how did this team want to assemble itself or how, how, what was the idea behind it? I don't think the team has ever found it, but the best I can put together is that they think that they can find diamonds in the rough scouting wise, or they can find distressed assets or undervalued players. And the undervalued players would be people like Will Trapp, uh, Ico Parra, um, uh, there's a few other, Kamar Lawrence. You put uh, Finley in that. Yeah, Ethan Finley, absolutely. There, there's there are players, and they've done the the. I've not yet written about the undervalued player a, a part of it, but um, they've done decently well there. Um, would, you, would you add Michael Boxall to that list? Yeah, absolutely. Michael Boxall is actually probably one of the best. I forgot. I thought Michael Boxall was like 32 when he came to us, <laughs> but he was just like. He didn't do that well at the Whitecaps, and he was only 28, I think, when he came to us, 27. Yeah. But um, he felt like an old man who'd washed up. They did a great job with that. Uh, so there are some successes there, but largely they have put together this team through diamonds in the rough. I put together a list of 38 players. It was exhausting to read after I had written it. Um, it, it was players like... Um, Alexi Gomez, right? Like, just to, to kind of... God, let's not talk about that. Seng Bin Jong, Joseph Rosales, Alexi Gomez, Jerome Tisson, all, all these, right? You, you think about all these players who are from all over. There was a, the guy in Ghazi. I wrote about him a little bit because... Mm-hmm. The, just say um, SBJ? SPJ, I, I think he would be a diamond in the rough, right? Like, yeah. he is a, uh, a guy who's out there with the Korean national team, but not fully. I would. That's how I would consider him. Okay. Um, but um, we, I looked at it and I saw two absolute successes: Bongi and Robin Lud. Um, and then I look at that below that, and I say there were a, there were some decent signings. Um, Tison, Mentnir, Debasi, Tapias, uh, DJ Taylor, Kervin Ariaga. 
All of them have had hit or miss, but they've they've been overall decent. I, I think I think with Tapia's you still have to wait. To be sure, able to sure. Put him on he's been, he has not been, but he's been he's been great. As he's not so been far. stellar. No, but he's been um, consistent. Yeah, but consistent. So I, I put him in a pretty by, good signing, especially by like MLS defender yeah. standards. Right. No, I think I think MLS wise, I think he's a he's a standard and, and, and good defender. He, he, he and I think he complements Boxy. Yeah. Enough to be able to have Boxy be yeah. more offensive in this matter, but I, I do agree. I also I also think that perhaps um, you know I think the the thing is that you know in the 2017-2018 the league was still the MLS league was still um, expanding in a sense, and it, it it isn't the 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 league that is currently now, right? We we had just barely you know we we're experimenting with this Latan thing, yeah, and that drew and that drew numbers, and I think having a team that just wants to because to be honest with you, MLS is the league that where you can you can be zero and ten. And still make it into the playoffs. Yeah, the Seattle lesson. Sounders have done that. In yeah. The past. So, so it's <laughs> yeah. it's not it, it's not impossible to be a, a a mediocre team and make it into the playoffs every year. Um, but I think one of the things that for this team, so it, it it drove them to be able to reach that because that was the attainable goal. That's the yeah. most easy pick that you can get. And I think money wise, that that makes the most sense. But as as you stated, I think a lot of the fans um, were um, still. Um, romanticizing from the previous uh, Minnesota United uh, experience, um, and the transition period was was expected to be similar. But when the reality was that it wasn't, that it was more handled more as a business, and not really yeah. handled as the input from the fans yeah. as it was previously before, it became yeah. more of a rupture relationship in a sense. Yeah, and I think that some of that seems to be on, on the mend. I think that Sherry Ballard, I'd, I've never met Sherry, but um, that has changed things a little bit. And and one of actually, to go back to, to that original point, I do know that, or I've been told that Sherry had a word with Adrian Heath last summer and was like, you need to knock off this like attitude. And then, because I was told that after I had already noticed, man, Adrian stopped saying this stuff in press conferences he's much nicer and then like for, so that was two summers ago and that there was a distinctive i do think that this year was way more fun watching the team even though they were bad because i think that bongi there was a certain level of joy that was allowed being allowed to have uh, and and there was no one kind of pissing in it with with their like attitude well and i well and i, and I think a, a part of it was also because of the we don't need to go down this road too far but because of the because of the apple deal you needed the content so you had more access yeah maybe yeah yeah and yeah. and so like we got the videos of them well i forget what away match it was but where you know they were dancing in the locker room after yeah, yeah. a win right which we which we have never seen in the previous six seasons since like, the since the the old days since right? the wonder yeah. Wall. Yeah, before yeah yeah, yeah the right. so, so so i yeah. think i think the apple deal helps yeah is not just transformative at the league level. I think for certain clubs, and I think ours is included in that, we, we do get a benefit of that. You know, Dr. Bill got a lot of sh- uh, stick for this um, by saying, like, I don't actually, th-, he said, I don't actually think fans come here and expect us to win and what, and what they're looking for. I think that I actually fully agree when he said that. I don't expect us to win. I do expect a team that looks like they're having fun and looks like they're fighting. 
And that is a really subjective, weird thing. And it's hard because, like, players don't view things like that, right? Players go out there and they want to win, or sometimes they're not motivated and they're not going. I looked at our, for example, our last game of the season where we could have won and gone into the playoffs. I, I didn't see a team that they didn't give up, but I didn't see a, a drive there. So I do agree with Bill. Like, I want a team that just... That that makes me love being there. I don't care if I don't care if we win MLS Cup, but we have Bongi, and I think Sang Bin Jong hasn't turned out, but he, he's 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 fun to watch. Anyway, that goes back to to finish my evaluation of like the sporting structure. The thirty eight players I named eight players. There are thirty players who fall fell into my bad or horrific level, and and if you go through that. Uh, that post I did. I mean, there are some names in there that are truly like, who the hell was that guy? And what you know, there's the Reno 911 players: Kevin Partita, <laughs> Sam Gleedle, and uh, Foster the People Langsdorf. Um, we got it, more playing than Tommy Chacon. Does. Yeah, <laughs> Tommy Chacon is in oh. the, the Diamonds in the Rough, right? Um, so I I look at this team and I evaluate like, you think you're going to find Diamonds in the Rough? You've not really done it. Like two out of thirty eight real success stories is not good enough. Even eight out of 38 decent and good success stories is not good enough. You have to be able to do something better. I've not yet written about what you already talked about here, Corey, which is this kind of the Icoparas out there, right? Like our best success stories have been Icopara, Ozzy Alonso, Darwin Quintero, who I wouldn't call a rehabilitation, but like he's 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 like Reynoso, where he was a, a known commodity. Mm-hmm. Like you, you didn't have to scout hard to find this guy. Yeah. Um, uh, Reynoso being one of these, uh, you know, um, Timu Puki, I think has been uh, turned out to be a success. So when I think about evaluating the Heath era, I think about the real failure to answer the question, which is. How are you going to create a successful team? Atlanta United knows how to answer that question. Uh, RSL knows how to answer that question. They're going to do it. And we have to answer it differently. And if we're going to say we're not going to do academies and we're not going to do um, Emmanuel uh, Barco uh, DP level, okay, then how are you going to succeed? Mm-hmm. We'll talk about, at the end of this show, we'll talk about what's going forward and what do we need to see. But I look back at the Heath era and we had a lot of rotating players. We had the 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 joke about the uh, endowed chair for aged uh, uh, aging uh, defender who will not be here next year, the the Jermaine Taylors, the um, who was the other guy the second year. Uh, he was from Aston Villa. Oh yeah, he came from Atlanta. Um, with he, dude, uh, whatever is Powell. His name. No, no. Okay, don't worry. There was I, there, Tyrone 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 Mears, Mears. Tyrone yeah. Mears yeah. who had that amazing strike from like forty yards out against Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Here, here's a question to your uh, sporting thing. Would you also be adding to your Substack when you talk about it about, um, <laughs> you know, like 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 he's been able to sell players. So let's let, let's let's t- let's take about like recently Asil Jackson, right, and his resurgence. I mean, or his... sell is a is a in scare quotes. Right, yeah. right. It was but like would you, would you add that into the conversation of like? 
a success. Like Ezekiel Jackson is 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 a is a player who for St. Louis City is is actually making ma- making. I mean, it would be uh, a, an that's impact. a success for St. Louis City. Yeah. Well, it I is mean, a failure. Bottom, right? But we were we but we we got coupons for him. Yeah. And Aziel Jackson again. So, so I, I guess actually, here's here's a, a point to discuss. One thing is that we've never been able to find ways to just have good role playing players. Actually, this year we did with Zarek Valentin is a good example. Yeah, he doesn't make that much money. Thank, I think his wife has a good job, so thank God for him. But like um, Mayo Clinic, baby. But like Aziel Jackson, even for St. Louis City, the best team in the West. Is not a starter. He's not. He's not changing the world. But he's able to come and play a role, right? And we've rarely been able to find players who can play that role, who come in off the bench, who do these things, and they are. And we have a squad. This is going back to what you were saying, Mark, um, where we have a squad where we are better. We have the parts are the whole is better than the parts. What's the expression? Anyway. Um, and so we should have been able to use Aziel Jackson in a role. He doesn't have to be better than Reynoso. Who the fuck cares? We can't play Reynoso 90 minutes every game, and having Aziel Jackson come in on the left or something like that would be helpful. So Aziel Jackson's a total failure for us. We've been able to sell uh, Christian Ramirez, which the team really says that we flipped into Icopara. If we didn't have resources to get Icopara, then like maybe that's our problem in the first place. Yeah, it was like two million, uh, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, no, it was not. It was like a million, million or less. It was. It, I think it was like eight hundred thousand plus yeah. some yeah. Yeah. performance based stuff. And and I mean, yeah. and, then, and then Mason Toy, etc. And and Mason Toy maybe was like you know you look at what he's done and it's like he hit uh, he has maybe plateaued a little bit in that um, Christian Ramirez I do also think has plateaus at a certain level, but. His plateau is higher than any other king striker that we've had. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, I look at those are the two players I can think of us selling. Yeah, I, I mean, we, technically we sold Calvo. No, yes, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. No, yes, that was, I think that, that was a win. That one needs to make as a success. So right? I don't think we've ever had any mediocre success with selling players. Uh, and and um, but, but whether, I think that's something that you should. I mean, oh God, no, who did we just uh, sign from the Red Bulls? Cal, what's his name? The uh, uh, Caden Clark. Caden Clark. Yeah. Clark. Technically, we sold him to the Red Bulls and then bought him back. Uh, or just got him back. Yeah, for free. yeah. yeah. We, yeah we, we um, got he was like fifty fifty k out of it. So that that is at least. The, the question about like the sporting side, at least. Um, I want to think now about the last seven years coaching wise. Adrian Heath was primarily oh our coach. The, the, the games and the things that stand out to you, um, the best moments, let's start there because I, I know there's a lot of rightful negativity that we have, but like we have had some pretty great moments. And I think even recently this year, the, the uh, 90 plus three equalizer that Franco Fragapane, um, who hopefully is gone next year, but at least this year he scored that uh, equalizer against New England jumps into the, the, the stands and the, the, just the, the glorious moments like that that we've been able to have. And there's been a decent amount. I don't know, Corey, do you, what, what stands out to you first? Um, Kick us off. I would say probably the loudest and the most excited I've been in the stadium was when Vito had the, the Dallas PK save. That has nothing to do with coaching. That is totally individual performance, mm-hmm. but it's one of those moments that I think 
I think it was toward the ass end of the was season. Was it to, to dry? Uh, to draw, I mean? It, it, yeah, it was to dry. It wasn't too wet. Yeah. yeah. So, so either either way, but it was one of those that it was it was keeping us in the playoff hunt for yeah. the first, you know, and you just felt the momentum building. You felt like, yeah. oh, there's something special happening yeah. here. That was the that was electric. Oh, that was was it was it to win? Because I, th- I thought we it, it, either way. If it's someone check it, somebody look it up. Uh, we don't fact check on the show. No. So it's that was one of those like electric moments. I've never heard the stadium louder to this day. Because it was one of those, we have to win if we want to guarantee a home playoff spot. And that was just unbelievable. I'll still talk about it, you know, forever and ever. It was, it, it was 2019, and we did win. Yeah. yeah. Won nothing over yeah. them. Yeah, it was last minute. Yeah, yeah that, it, was, it was end of the game. That was, um, I do think. It was Barrios, I think. That was, uh, again, I have the, um, the bar vibes uh, uh, meter that I use. That was one of the greatest vibes into what I see after games, right? Mm-hmm. Where compare that to um, what was the, we had a draw this year, a couple weeks after the 1-1 draw against New England. It was right before LAFC. Um, whatever our, the, 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 the big boos. And, mm-hmm. and those mm-hmm. boos, by the way, like are literally what lost Adrian the job. Yeah. Like that, that, that was what I had heard that like the amount of anger that was felt in that stadium. And I went back to the bar and like I sat down at a table with friends and it was funereal. Yeah. It was just everyone was sad. And so the, oh, this, was, was that the uh, loss to Kansas City where they scored in the 84th minute? Might have been that. Or San Jose. Yeah. San Jose drew yeah. with us right at the yeah. end. We gave up the goal. Yeah, no, I think it was San um, Jose. Yeah. Me and you were at and the, and, at, and at so, the game. Yeah, and so the 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 vibes made that I use of of that um, the opposite of this mm-hmm, Dallas game mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah go, let's go back but let's go to the positive stuff I'm sorry I I, yeah. I interrupted to the best moments who, who wants to jump in other best uh, mark I mean our run to the US Open Cup final that was yeah. pretty electric uh, 20, was, 2019 that yeah. 2019 was just an electric year yeah but like it was the first time we're like you know we've the first two seasons like we're Disappointing. It was the first time, you know, Allianz Field opened. They finally invested in their roster. And you kind of felt like, oh, like US Open Cup, like if we put our resources into this, we could do this. Yeah. Like so many teams write it off where you're like, yeah, let's just go for it. Like fucking go for it and just see what happens. And they kind of did. And like there was like, like there was like the, uh, the win against Portland to get to the final, which yeah, is fantastic. We hosted New Mexico before that with mm-hmm. 200 fans coming up. It was yeah. just a blast. And the New Mexico fans were amazing. Yeah. That was, like, that was in the corner on the lower level. Talking like, about bar so vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the, amazing. The, that owner, was the owner in the bar before and after the game. Right, and, and I think fan. that was the only game that Angelo Rodriguez scored more than he actually did a whole season for the MLS season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was a great run overall, but that was... The, even that game was was great vibes. I forget whether I had it up earlier in one of my windows, but um, but yeah, you, the Portland win was huh. um, we had just beaten them, or we went on to beat them the next. We played them back to back in yeah. the league and the Open Cup. We beat, we beat we, them we a couple times in a week. Yeah, we destroyed them in that Open Cup game, yeah. and it was one of the rare times where. Um, I always talk about like a win that we absolutely deserved. We just uh-huh. destroyed them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, yeah, and then I mean, 
and like I actually flew to Atlanta for it. Like it was just, yeah, it was so weird. Like I watched the Open Cup final with Christian Ramirez in Houston. I mean, it was just like it was just fun. Like even like. I mean, the loss was disappointing. And, like, and the final match against Atlanta was kind of disappointing just because, like, it was, like, the whole, like, Adrian was angry at Darwin for something and didn't play him in the finals and whatever. I didn't yep. get it. But. Uh, again, if we want to look back at that era, that was a constant thing where it was... Yeah, there's the, the Adrian... You get your deep, your best player onside. Yeah, and there's just, again, like, another thing, like, you want to talk about the ism, like, all the things of Adrian Heath, there is, like, you know... The Adrian Heath doghouse is such a thing yeah, for yeah. his era of yeah. like just what's left over. But like, it, but it, you can't take away like that was so much fun. Like, and honestly, like, turns out Atlanta fans are fantastic as well. Like, it was just uh, awesome I, to be I, down I there. I refuse to believe it. No, they, I mean, their tailgate, they had free food for everybody. You just come up and they're like, You want a hot dog? Like, yeah, well, you want a beer? Yeah, that'd be great. They just hand it to you. It's like just fantastic people. Fair enough. Oh, the, do you, oh, of the last seven years, Rodrigo, do you have a, do you have moments that stick out to you of, of that era, great games. I mean, great games. I think, um, I think beating at, um, Atlanta in a regular season after um, Molino goal. Oh, in Atlanta. Oh, away, away. Yes. Away. Yeah, yeah. I think Delati and Molino. Yeah, yeah. Huh? And I think that yes, was one of my absolutely. That was one of one of the highlights for me as a, as an away aspect of it mm-hmm. is doing that. I think for me, to be honest with you, like I know it sounds crazy, but the whole. Bubble MLS Cup in Orlando, yeah, just had so much highlights. And after yeah. afterwards, right, um, being able to see that um, hear what some other stories were, like you yeah. know, like Heath. Oh, the the, the, the bar um, story buying all the was it the gin or no the bottles of wine? Mm-hmm. What did they go through? There was, was like it was, it was eighty eight like, bottles of something, and I, I apparently like we were the like we were the booziest like rowdiest party bunch. Yeah. Which, which we we were we were Florida man. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> good for them. Absolutely, yeah. And, and I think that's that's that. But like, I, yeah. I also think like um, karaoke. Everyone kept on singing. Yes, karaoke. Yeah. Yes, I also think like you know like I think the Portland tournament when we started seeing what a four four two would look like. Yeah. And and when you know we were looking at different options. What year is that? What do you mean? Uh, um, when, when we started, um, when it when pre- it was the it was second a, year, it was, that, it was that preseason tournament. Yeah, it was preseason yeah. tournament. Yeah. So when we started, you know, being able to the beginning of the era of um, a French guy, Unu, Unu. Yeah, when we started oh, oh, out, yeah, so a bit later, pretty pretty hot, and then we were able to start implementing the four four two as in the aspect of like here's what we can do if we need to press and we need to press yeah. with the ball and, and we need and we need to score a goal and there were times where like that seemed like it worked and to me that was that was exciting. But like moment in the stadium for me has to be watching Ozzy Alonso score the first goal. Oh yeah. At, on a volley. Uh, on a volley, right? Because we know he doesn't score a lot of goals. But the first home game ever and Cloud City and have him yeah. just, you know, tie it and be able to to do that. It's, it's just, you know, I think that's probably one of one of the ones that, that, that cemented in my head and the aspect of it. There's been positive games where we seem to be dominant. Um, and I think um, I think for me, the last two years where we actually kind of embraced the idea of actually being a counterattacking team and not a possession-driven team. I don't think we fully embraced it, but I think we are almost there. <laughs> I think we yeah. have to now. We should, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think that's 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 the probably you you can't make a, a different argument um, as to what that is, but I think those those memories are the ones that I I, I carry for me. 
No, and also for sure, like back in uh, 2018, the 4th of July match against Toronto, where Darwin got his hat trick off of three chips over old, old Dutch. Old Dutch, that's it when was fantastic. Uh, Clint and Irwin just, became old Dutch. And just the excitement Did he, of it. It was three chips? Yeah, yeah it was three chips. Yeah. All three chips. All three. God damn. They, yeah. got fur- they got further each one. They did. <laughs> Somehow. Oh it was so fantastic. And then, like, and it, it's so great. He was like, uh, the actual pick, like, when Darwin was, like, on the field, with the Christian Ramirez put the hat on, My bro- I brought my brother-in-law, who's a hockey fan, to the game, and actually threw his hat on the field. I was like, you shouldn't do that. You can't. It's actually pretty. People get angry at soccer fans for throwing st- stuff on the field. He's like, eh. And then he, but he so he got like a you know a stern warning from the security guard before he got his hat back. But like yeah, that was just fantastic. Who was the uh, Brazilian player? Fernando Bob? No, the Max, other guy. Maximiano? No, the the, <laughs> the one we love. Ibsen. Ibsen. Oh, when the he back scored heel? the back the heel. heel goal. Oh. Yeah, that shushing. Yeah, that was. Oh, I you know the, he recently won the, uh, the Serie C with his team in Brazil. Is he still playing? <laughs> He's still playing. <laughs> that guy's legend. I like. Oh my god! I I bring it. Bring him back as interim manager for like a month. Just bring. Just let him run your social media campaign, just so we can have table tennis moments. Give him. Give him the whatever, man. Just give him a job. When 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 Jeff Reuter got that exclusive interview with him, because like he doesn't do interviews, doesn't talk to anyone, and Jeff Reuter got it. I was like, oh, this is this is like the most anticipated article I think about the team that I've seen in like the first couple years. God. What else was there? Uh, uh, other things were um, uh, of the of the last, no. I'm reading of the notes we went over all the notes. Uh, so uh, there have been pretty amazing moments and runs of this team. I think one thing that does stand out to me is, and this is a, a best worst, is that almost always this team has run on one player really hitting it hot. Yeah, Robin Lud, Darwin Quintero. Emmanuel Reynoso. This year it was Bongi. Met near for a while. Met near, like yeah, yeah. Molino in the in the uh, Molino, absolutely. And that player almost always it always ends with that player injured. Yep. So one of the things I will always think about, and this we were always saying, like we you need to put in an Aziel Jackson for Reynoso. You need to do something. These types of things where. Um, it's not sustainable. Bongi this year looked bad at the end of the year. I don't think it's because he became bad. I think it's because he was obviously injured. You could see that there were counterattacks where he was not, like three months ago, he was outrunning that player. He was not outrunning him this year. And that was the case for a lot of players. We ran them into the dirt. And that frustrates me because... Obviously, as a um, as a full communist, I want my workers to have good work uh, environments. But also, I thought like, you were going to say as a professional soccer player. As a professional <laughs> I was soccer like, where player, where you going with this? Uh, uh, <laughs> but like, but I like you, you can see like. Guys, in order to succeed, you need to be sustainable. And we, when we've succeeded, it's rarely on. Oh my God, the whole team is clicking. It's. Almost always, I would say 90% of the last seven years has been this player is just the other players around them. They're, they're, it's not only one player, but we are riding this player's luck. If we had Robin Lud this year, I think that we would have been really good. Um, but I want to go through some worst moments here because there are, are, are some things. I will say there's there's one of the worst things to think about to, to characterize the last seven years. Francisco Calvo. I wrote in my piece, signing Francisco Calvo was a smart decision. 
Like he was a pretty decent national team player for Costa Rica. Um, he's a very talented player. The problem was thinking that he was who you had to build the team around. Um, it was very obvious to everyone early on what his flaws were. Now, you could move him and figure out how to use him better and how to, to minimize those flaws. But instead, we made him the, the center of the team. We made him captain. And it was very obvious that he's a fucking psychopath, uh, not just because he tried to ban everyone associated with 55-1 from the <laughs> locker room because I said uh, that the team was terrible in one game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was exemplified coming to a head. He got two yellow cards in one minute in a 4-3 Toronto loss um, in, what was that year? 2020? 2019. When, 2019. 2019. Before he, that was yep. the last game he ever played for us. Yep. Then he went on to Chicago. We actually got money for him. I would say if I also want to characterize what the seven, seven years were, we got to the playoffs in 2019. We lost at home in the first round to LA Galaxy. 2020, we... Beat the Rapids 3-0. We beat SKC in SKC in Kansas City 3-0. That was, a, a, that that was, was an incredible That was an incredible performance. Yep. And then we c- completely shit ourselves in a like uh, um, uh, comical, like, uh, uh, like 1990s uh, Comedy Central shitty way. It was just 15 way. minutes of spring. Uh, against uh, Seattle Sounders 3-2. 2021, 3-1 loss to Portland. And then 2022 was a 1-1 uh, draw with Dallas, and we lost in the PKs. We... This team never showed up in the in the big days. Or I would say not never, because that SKC mm-hmm. I think was us really raising our game. And we looked, and the Colorado and, match we dominated. Yeah, but too. we I should mean, Colorado have expected. Was bad. Colorado was and I would idea. say like the Portland semifinal win, mm-hmm. right? The, that and the SKC wins are when I would say the pressure was on. We really performed and we did that. So so those were good. But the worst we're talking. This is the worst segment, mm-hmm. and really like. This was a team that really never showed up. And I would say particularly that 3-1 loss to Portland continually stands out to me because I distinctly remember watching Franco Fragapane and Emmanuel Reynoso not give a shit. Uh And maybe I I always try to avoid... insinuating Shitting on Argentinians? No, no, insinuating their emotion about it. But there was a distinct um, lack of fire. That's maybe a more fair way to say. There's a lack, um, lack of urgency. Lack of urgency, but which is what we saw in this last game. But in that game in particular, it wasn't just a lack of urgency. It was... They gave up. From the outside, it didn't look like they cared. Yeah, they gave up. Maybe that's unfair. Maybe they cared. I don't know. I don't want to... I try to not be unfair about how I, I read I would suggest emotions, you, but... you watch the uh, Argentinian League, and then after yeah. that, be okay. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they gave up. So, um, <laughs> so, so I distinctly look at this, this team... Adrian Heath never lost the locker room, maybe until the end. I do know that that LAFC game, when they lost... Um, was it 5-1? Uh, what was told to me was that at halftime, no one said a word. They were down 3-1. to one. Yeah. They go back out there. They give up two more goals. And, it, and that, to me, says that he finally lost it. But seven years, we had some bad times, and he never lost the, 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 the locker room. And I think that that is something. But he also never pushed them to that extra edge. Other 
worst moments that stand out to you to, to think about the, the last seven years, Mark? Uh, there was the last match that Ramirez dressed for us. It was there. Uh, we had just signed Rodriguez. Uh, he had come in, uh, and we were playing Seattle. Imagine, imagine being pushed out by Angelo fucking Rodriguez, yeah. the guy who only scored with his ass. Yeah, and like I just remember, like, and he came in and played, uh, and I don't remember the exact score of it. We were playing Seattle, uh, and we had a lead. Dropped two goals late. I just remember there was there was an incident too of like someone from the Wonderwall threw like a can of beer onto the field oh. on that night too. And there's just a lot of hostility towards it all. And like and the whole time, like there was like I mean I was in the Wonderwall that night and like so the Minnesota United was warms warms up in front the players warm up and there was just like Ramirez just like kind of sitting kind of not against Doing nothing not against like the ad boards but kind of against the ad boards it was just laying just sitting there just kind of looking up just looking uh, and the idea just, of not the and I, I did write about this the not playing a player like Ramirez or Ibarra on their last night is to me a level of disrespect to them and to the fans and I do think LAFC overpaid for him. At that time, paying $900,000 in Gam Tam whatever is a lot for a player like that. Mm -hmm. You know what? You you have to take it. Everyone can understand that. But you give the player the respect that Christian Ramirez, Miguel Ibarra, for for fans who have not been around in that era, they were the only thing they were they put us on the map they were so important and so and they did have a connection because they would come to events and they would do things and to not play them in those games is just a lack of respect the way that you would if a player's retiring or something you just give them something and look sometimes sporting wise it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. It's not like in in, ni- in either of those cases and in Colin Martin's case with the, the Pride Night, it would have done you good because fans would been, have been blown up and that energy translates. We always hear the, the coaches and fan players say the energy translates to them. And if you want to get that energy going, you you don't do that. No, exactly. And like even I'm just trying to remember and. I don't remember the exact details. I'm pretty sure we gave up two late goals against Seattle to go from a winning position to a losing position. Like even after you gave up the first goal, there's ten minutes left. Just sub in Ramirez. Be like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna go for the win. See what happens. You had in your good section that we didn't hit the um, <laughs> the Harrison Heath red card. I want to go. I need to. We need to bring that up. October 13, 2018. Yes, it was. I mean, I put it in the, my best moments because it was so entertaining. Because who was the coach? Uh, the coach who also got red carded. Oh, the, it was our goalkeeper coach, wasn't yeah, yeah. it? Uh, What's his name? He was the, the yeah. Whoa. John Pascarella, or I, is that a different I, guy? Did he come? That later? sounds right. So let's right. just. Well, I'll just. Uh, you can't, <laughs> what is he going to sue me? Yeah. Uh, so tell the story though, because there are some play- fans who like were not around in 2018. So tell this really to give. Yeah. Us the short. So we were playing Colorado, and we always got red cards with them. Yeah. Miguel and, got a red card. Yeah. They got a red card. Yeah, and we were down every game. And we were down two nothing, and it just got scrappy at the end. Like neither, I don't think either team were making the playoffs that year. It was just like a throwaway match, but it just got scrappy. Everyone, both teams hated each other, 
And somehow, I don't even remember exactly what happened. Like, there's a water bottle involved, I the, think. The, the coach sprayed a water bottle on a player. That's why he got the red card. I forget what, Adri- what Her- Adrian, Harrison Heath did. Harrison Heath only played like three games for us. Yeah. He got a red card from the bench. He was not in the game, and he got red carded. Just classic. And then, and, and then wasn't he also, because of that, suspended for the next... Season like it carried over. Yeah, it was. Yeah, because it was. It was the end of the season. It yeah. was also great. And they, and like honestly, like talk. If you want to talk about like worst things about the the uh, Adrian Heath era, it is the ne- we didn't even discuss the nepotism of it all. Like when it was bringing on Harrison Heath as a player. Or again, like we, you talked a lot about, like our strategy was to find diamonds in the rough. Alan Benitez was one of his yeah. guys. And so, if your strategy and is that, is that we're I'm gonna least, we're so. gonna find diamonds in the rough, you need to bring on a staff that can find diamonds in the rough. Instead, you resort to nepotism and putting your son in charge, who has no experience scouting, in charge of scouting. And that just kind of sums up like how just ah. Uh, Un- just unprofessional, unprofessional, yeah. just like uninterested, just how uninterested they it, are in like it, actually pursuing the strategy all the way through. And it would have been a lot harder to track Harrison Heath's Delta itinerary in like 2018, oh 2019. That era of 55 marks was, was incredible. Oh. Where we had that inside mole at Delta or oh, American. God. That was awesome. <laughs> don't, don't even, don't, I, was, don't I, reveal I can't even give it away, but it was just so great. And who knew you could... We all knew where Mark Watson was going because <laughs> we had a mole. <laughs> uh, Back in those days, it, uh, the Twitter DMs were... Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, it was oh, incredible. The, the, oh, what an oh. era. Um Look, the, the, there are you know things we covered like the 2020 Western Conference Final, the the regression this year, and just the general lack of ideas. Like, just an overall thing. One of the worst moments for me was in 2018, and whether it was due to fitness or you know the the. Sporting, the like the turf the, 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 or, the turf or just running players into the ground or just our sports medicine, whatever it was. Ethan Finley and Kevin Molino both going out in the first I'd forgotten third they of 2018. Yeah. I, well, Kevin Molino might have been a little bit later. I can't remember exactly. But Finley went out in like April again at Seattle yeah. yep. wearing the Parley jerseys. And it's yeah. just that the parley jerseys did him in yeah yeah exactly like you save some like whales or some shit yeah, but, but the, you, the whales fucked yeah. him up um yeah maybe they were orcas <laughs> <laughs> actually they were playing seattle yeah. so it was the oh. orcas probably the seal raping otters yeah exactly <laughs> you know the story of the north carolina fc plays on a uh a stadium where underneath that stadium uh there was um there are dead whales. It, the the, mm, the mm-hmm. university had done like research on some whales, and that's where they buried the dead whales. Incredible. So there's like dead whales under and and CFC. But anyway, but but, but that but that but that for for 2018, <laughs> like we 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 finished up 2017. We we're like, okay, we're gonna be hopeful. We signed a couple of new players, and we do whatever. And then that they just went down, and yeah. it was like yep. your 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 makeshift number ten because it was before Darwin. Yep. And. Your your right winger who was like he was like sprightly and he was energetic and he was pretty one dimensional but he was reliable. Yeah, they both go down. You're like that's it. Yeah. There goes half of yeah. our attack or yeah. all of our attack at that point. I it was just that. devastating. Um, Rodrigo, do you have any worst moments to to think about the last to characterize the last seven years? 
I th- I think for for me it's just the lack of opportunity given to up and coming talent. I think for me that's that's probably my disappointment and like throughout like every year there was always something and um every year you know you we we've talked about how like they wanted to build this this team doing diamonds and the roughs and the best way that you can do that and the cheapest way to do that is when you when you work with youth players right when you when you when you do the draft and stuff like that and i think some of that has worked and some of that hasn't but just a lack of opportunity to have them develop specifically prior to the mlx mls uh league that we yeah. currently have now not having a play to play in a a place to play them or a, just competitiveness or just lack of like um well let's just you know let's let's, let's give it a try let's gi- let's give it a go and i think that to me that's that's probably one thing that was consistent throughout these years was having players who when they left the club or went on alone seemed to be somewhat successful and um when they were incorporated back into the team for a reason to be useful for they weren't used for that reason so to hit that you have you have a few different things one is you have a a track of players like metonier and debasi who i think are good players but they were obviously at the end of their careers and lo and behold they got injured and then their career ends right you have other players i think a few success stories of young players are obviously Hassani Dotson. I think that um, I thought he plateaued a little bit the last two years. I thought this year he actually really did take another step up. I think DJ Taylor has actually been a really good fullback for us. I think, um, I think, I think he, he gets, needs to get paid. He gets, yeah, but he also gets dogged a bit by fans. And I think, like, if we want to look at players and think, like, we want to invest in young players and develop them, I think he, yes, the LAFC game. He and Bristow were garbage. He he got destroyed. That happens. It really does. But like DJ Taylor has been pretty good. Um, but there aren't that many. De- Devin Pedelford actually played played a few games for us this year. And the first time I watched him play, I thought this guy is not a professional soccer player. And I thought then we see him grow, and then he played a few games for us, and he never messed up. He wasn't great, but he never messed up. And for a young player coming through the Minnesota system, that's not nothing. Like to have a, a decent, I'm trying to think of. I know other ones too. Like you could put Chase Gasper in yeah, that Chase, group, just because. Like I mean, but he definitely hit something. He did, in the but plateau, also like right? I mean, you could also have chalk him up to like the Romario Barra kind of thing, where like yeah, it, it, it was also work other out. things. There were other things yeah, that yeah, affected yeah, yeah, why it didn't yes, work out. Maybe yeah. Uh, I mean, and also Dan Sinclair put him on that list too. I also think Dan Sinclair had a certain level of talent, and he's plateaued. So I actually think that he doesn't. He, I, you can. It's always subjective because we can never tell what happens, what's increasing a player or whatever. For me, there's a few players like Dane who come in. They're obviously talented. I don't think Dane has gotten better. Any other young players we can think of that that are in that category? I mean, we just don't play young players here. No, um, no. I mean, let's Rosales. talk about Iwe, though. I mean, like Iwe is getting time. He is not. Um, I think he, um, he, ha- he. 
I want to see going forward, right? Right. He could go somewhere. He he did not this year. He didn't score or anything. Yeah. Um, but he definitely wanted to. That guy really. And I, it's great to see them. Those guys in there. Um, but we we have, as you said, we've never really developed these players. We've no. never invested in them. And and if and if we do, it's be, we buy them off someone, we keep them for a bit, or we draft them, and then we just. They just go. They if disappear we let them like go, Wyatt Olsberg. You know, we get we get peanuts for them, or um, what, yeah. what, what are these I things mean, called? I mean, Wea could be a to be determined next, depending seeing how next season goes. Yeah, it, well, I, I thought Wea was healed though. I thought he's, he's, we'll see. Yeah. We have no idea. Um, yeah, l- let's take a break. We will come back, and I want to talk a little bit about this season. All right, back on the 55-1 podcast. Oh, my God, it's been so long since we've done this, everybody. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about 2023. It was a shitty season, I'm going to say. But it also had some really great moments. I do think um, partially it's a super selfish thing, but Bongi Longmane, who I was an immediate booster for, I will say I put my money down early on that. I invested. I got on the ground floor. And that paid off. He is a joy to watch. And part of, uh, you know, I did write a little bit about this, but I think I'll write about it some more eventually, is part of my uh, transition of a fan, and even this year of us not podcasting, is me just enjoying soccer with my my son, with Emil. Like, he, that kid's obsessed with soccer. We now sit in the corner, front row, and it's just really fun to just enjoy soccer. I- and I... No, I want to jump in. I said uh, that's one of the funnest things this season has watching the development of Emil, but also the development of Santiago. Yeah, 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 yeah. And how when those two get together, Santi and Emil sit down there and sit down together. It was like, and then just you know, they just go to town. Like, And, and I think like my love of soccer and my belief that soccer is way bigger than just a sport still exists for me and my belief that this team can be bigger than just a soccer team still exists it's been kicked around a lot and diminished and so part of it is me being more sane part of me is directing more of my energy toward aurora um but like this year being able to watch it and watching bongi love playing soccer that is a joy to watch he is in like you want to cheer that and i just i like i say this because i want Minnesota United brass to know this like that is the joy that I want a coach to instill you want to see like a Luchin Gonzalez right Luchin Gonzalez not the greatest coach on the planet he is a joy to watch coach and he gets his players to coach in a to, to play in a, a joyous way um, and I think that there are coaches out there who like I would rather see a Luchin Gonzalez out there who like man he's not the greatest he's not going to out Shine, uh, Tata Martino, but he is, he's really fun and he, he gives you joy to like, and again, this goes back to the, the Dr. Bill thing. I don't expect my team to, to win the cup every year. I expect them to be good. Expect them to compete. Play fun soccer. And, and have and a really compete. hot coach. But I'll, and have a really hot coach yeah. who wears with, with tight turtlenecks yeah. and tight yeah. pants. Like, and I mean, I want, I want the MLS Pep Guardiola. I'm like, still that's what mad I that I didn't get to see my, my, step, my MLS stepfather yeah. come. come so, I'm still mad about that. So, um, but, the, but the Bongi thing is also, it's not yeah. just like his joy of the game. It's his rapport with his teammates, especially Sangbin. But then the fact that he is hanging out after every home game for a half hour 
walking around the pitch, taking photos, meeting people, greeting people, like saying hi to kids, saying hi to like small men like myself. Yeah. And it's just <laughs> kid like men. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's like, it is like, it is a stupid thing. Who but like, shoes, it, it is a, it, it's why, it's why you're there yeah. and it's why it's different than these other sports. I don't want to belabor that part. I want to go back to this season. Um, the highs, we had a, we, I, actually going back to this season, there were a couple of things like, for example, the lows. I'll quickly go to a low. <laughs> Did you know that we lost four nothing at Montreal? Yeah. I didn't even know that Montreal I, was a team. I don't, <laughs> club club foot Montreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that uh, day we. I totally it. forgot four nothing at Montreal. Mason Toy scored two goals. I, yep. I absolutely blacked that out. I, I definitely watched it at the bar with people. I probably left at halftime. No, um, and also actually one thing I also like kind of forgot about. We started the season really good. Yeah, yeah we did. No, I, like, I remember that. Yes, like, yes, yes. I mean, we couldn't win at home, but like we had, we started the season uh, like undefeated in the first five well, matches, three away wins. What the listeners don't know is Mark, uh, more than any of us, took the we're no longer podcasting thing to heart. And like, I think you watched three games this year. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I just gave up on like, it was like, I don't know. I was like, Minnesota oh, United, you know, yeah, like, if I, 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 we split our season tickets. If I didn't, wasn't at that match, I probably didn't watch the yeah. match. Did um, you know that Adrian Heath was fired? Yes, I did. <laughs> I actually, no funny story about that. I was in the boundary water. So like, I was barely getting text messages, but I got like our group text oh, that God. morning. And it was so what so happened was I was at, I had a morning. I've been trying to take. I love that this has turned into where were you? Yeah, where were you? <laughs> let me do it. Let me do it. I was at Groundswell and I was like, I've been trying to take mornings to just write, uh, not about soccer, just write. And I get a text from Andrew Wiebe and it says, Oh my God, I can't believe they did it. And I knew if Andrew Wiebe texts me that phrase, I know exactly that what was happened. Code. That was so code. I go to Twitter. I was like, what, 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 what? It has to be Adrian Heath because there's no way like like Andrew and I like that that's what he's texting. So that's how I found out, and I was like, oh my god! And then I lost the morning. I like <laughs> I spent two hours in Groundswell, coffee just cold as fuck, just absolutely in every DM Scrolling. group, every, yeah. every everything, just making the most. Just it was insane because this was <laughs> this is this is like the fucking Berlin Wall coming I, down. I guys. had I had had a really bad week that week for various there's some atrocity that we were probably probably covering and it was a friday morning yeah. it was like 7 30 in the morning whatever time it was uh, it was uh friday at 8 45 sure sure yeah yep. it, which is 7 30 for those of us that work in news <laughs> i don't know i don't know yes i, I didn't know that all right i, I yeah. have no idea that's the okay. thing i just made up um, <laughs> actually no it's those of us that work in podcasting uh and i just remember being in bed and being like oh my god oh my god and Danielle was like, what, what, what? And I was like, they did it. They finally fucking did it. What did she think happened? She came in and she goes, do I have a happy husband? And I went, you do. You have a very happy husband. <laughs> I would today. think that like in your line of work, uh, um, especially these days with the, the depressing news, yeah. that uh, she would not think they did it, they did it, would be a good thing. It's like, it's like oh, did Putin drop a tactical <laughs> nuke? <laughs> either, either you have to go do something like uh, that uh, Kiev uh, now is is no is, is yeah. flattened, or Adrian Heath got fired. Yeah, okay. and, and either way, she would be like, do, you, do I have a happy husband? And I'd be like, <laughs> do, I have a, oh, do I have a happy husband? Yeah, I love yeah. that. Uh, okay, what, what so let me go back to the highs. Sorry, I mean, to that was the highest of the highs. Back, I think. That was, <laughs> yeah. that was, uh, in actually, let me, let I'm, me take I'm this. Trying to, I, I'm I, trying I, to I, switch the text messages. <laughs> I wanted to hit this. So. I do think 
that one surprising thing about that whole period was I was convinced, and this was cynicism, and I think that this wasn't my cynicism. I encountered this a lot with a lot of people, that everyone thought Adrian Heath will not get fired. That will, the worst that will happen with, is he will get moved into the sporting director role and then he'll hire someone else. And that was a product of the cynicism of the last seven years, which if we're talking about the legacy of the last seven right. years, it is nothing matters. This guy just does whatever. There's no consequences. You can do, no do whatever thing. Right. And the fact that he was fired was, I think, a big moment. And I do think um, Sherry Ballard, Dr. Bill, actually deserve credit for saying, like, you know what? We need a break. And we'll talk about what, what's going to happen going forward in, in a bit. But, like, we are going to say this isn't good enough. And I didn't think that that could happen. And I do think I was just lulled by the last seven years to thinking that there would be no consequences. And I, I, like, I just can't say it enough. I think it's legit great that they were like, you know what? We need to just say enough is enough. This wasn't good enough. We need to change this club. So congratulations to the team on that. I think that, that that's a high for me. Yeah. I know we're joking about the Adrian Heath stuff, but like it really is, even if you, you're not doing a, a we hate Adrian thing, the team needs a new direction. It needs something new. And I, I, like again, I want to try to be fair on how I'm thinking about Adrian Heath here. Um, I want to go to these highs. Sorry, because we wrote them down. There was a 4-1 win against Portland, Reynoso scores, uh, two, Bongi scored. That was a, a glorious time this season. We had the 5-2 win at LA Galaxy. Pookie scores four. Um, Leagues Cup. Leagues Cup, Puebla 4-0. Reynoso had, that, had a free kick from pretty yeah. pretty far outside the box. That was the, that was the and third we did or fourth it goal. As a man down in the sense of like the 23rd yeah. minute or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we, yeah. we had the, the t- Toluca mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, PK win. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um we had, the, I, we had the, the, the Philly Union PK win. Yeah, in the U.S. Open Cup. That where there was like 4,000 people. I was with you behind oh, goal. Yeah. There was like no yeah, one right. there. Um, I, I, I would say the League's Cup was one of my favorite things this season. Yep, I, I think that I get it that it killed the momentum of the season. But, oh, my God, not, it's not, so much fun. Not just, I, and I, I think the League's Cup was surprising for the league. Not just... Before you know when Messi came in, but I think it was competitive. It was fun. It was kind of riding the high of cup competitions, but actually having a little bit more stakes behind it. And it was look, Bongi was the golden boot for League's Cup until Messi got here. Yeah, like it, like it was a joy. It was yeah, like a perfect it, like that, six. That week. was that was, and I don't know. I think where you put that in the season, maybe I do think breaking for it was a blast. Um, I, I think that it, it just made it really exciting. I don't know what they're going to do. I'm not a professional on that, but it was that was a, a highlight this year. What about that Olimpico? Yeah, yeah. What, which game was that? Tell me or remind me. Because um, that was again, a League's Cup game, wasn't it? That was, uh, was that the? What did we do? What? Yeah, Google, Google. Uh, I do have a Google Olympicos are probably the funnest things that you can see happen uh, on a pitch. 
but I don't think I think it was a regular. There's, there's no game. Olympico where you're not like, wait, what just happened? Yeah, <laughs> As, like, every know. Olympico is like, uh, what? What? Yeah. What's so, what that? So I'll tell you exactly who we were playing as soon as this ad from MLSsoccer.com oh. finishes. Okay, yeah, major well, anyways, soccer. you know, I, I think I think one of the best moments I think Portland. for me, it was Portland. So yeah, oh yeah. I think it was it was just one of those. Um, I love just kicking their ass. <laughs> We're really good at kicking Portland's ass. It's, it's so, much, so, 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 much so much fun. At some point, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not, except for this year. Cause this year is. Yeah. is but, been, yeah. but I, I think one of the things too is that. When we're that, and I want to go back to the point where you're talking about um, um, Adrian Heath and the switch that the that the um, had, had the president and Sherry and all of them and mm-hmm. Bale decided that, that it was time to make that part. Is that the fact that it was the first time that he was being held accountable? Yeah, and the yeah. reason that he was being held accountable is because this is, and this is what we're going to talk about the sporting. This is probably the most talented squad yeah. that this team's had ever and if you can't deliver with the most talented squad ever then when can you deliver and and nine teams make the playoffs guys yeah it is so fucking right. pathetic. and also the west this year was, was garbage. garbage we could have beaten every st louis the best team in the west not a good team i'm gonna just say that no one was good in the west there are three good teams in mls that's it like everyone else is okay or absolute shit. And I don't know if we're okay or absolute shit. We're just like, okay shit. Um, okay c- computer shit. Uh, but like, uh, we couldn't do it. Um, I do want to say, here are the, the, the players we brought in this year. And here's the grades I gave them. Pookie, A grade. And I do think that, of course, he scored four goals in that one game, so maybe it skews it. But I do think in the games where he wasn't scoring, you could see how he was influencing the game, and he was good. It and was, and, it, and it's also that that thing, and, and we'll say the you know what you you'll talk about Sangbin in a second. If you are going to be a starting caliber player, or or even or even a depth piece. You need a season to bet into MLS. There's one, the the yeah. time of year that you play, usually when the European players are coming in. We said the same thing about Robin Lud. The big thing about Puki is you could see the link up between him and Reynoso yeah. starting to really develop toward the end of the season in a way that we haven't seen with another player since Kevin Molino. You could see it in a way where you could, there were a few times where you could see, oh, they just tried something very clever that they've practiced. Mm-hmm. And, and that's like a, uh, it, it's a very tiny subjective thing. He's 33 years old. Um, you have to come, you, you do not, like Seng Bin, you can say like he gets a betting. In I mean, but he I gets mean, a first year. But we still, you still, there's still a Kai Kamara playing in this league. But, so but Timu but, Puki, but to, no, what I'm saying is that if you come in and you're making the money Timu Puki is making, you have to score 10 goals. That, that's a, just a minimum. So Timu Puki was a grade A. He earned that grade A. The B grade is Tapias. I think that um, he, I want to see him be better, um, but he has not been bad at all. I, I think maybe one game I saw him be bad. Um, there's a C grade of Tajuri Shradi, Valentin, Irwin, Sangben. Tajuri Shradi, I think, looks awesome. Mm-hmm. I hope we bring him back. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was fit. But we should have seen more of him. I don't know what was going on. He, he was a great friend of NYCFC. And, um, yeah. Derek Valentin I mean, he was, he was makes no offense. money. Yeah. 
Azarek Valentin is also a gem of a human being. I absolutely love that. He, dude. He's got that like Jerome Tison vibe uh-huh. with with the yep. with the fans. Absolutely. And also, doesn't his wife like have a very good job at the Twin Cities? So yes. he either is going to play for Minnesota or just retire. So might as well just play for Minnesota. I that's true. Bring him on as a coach. Mm-hmm. But I I, I just I also think that he has a great cross on him, mm-hmm. and also he had. 12 games this year, maybe 15. I don't know. And I think he was bad in two, and he was good in two, or great in two, and he was fine. Yeah. He's in, as a more stay-at-home, stay right? like, truly defensive and I think that the problem where we always talk about the, the churn of this team, keep a player like him or Eric Miller or these guys who are, like, really great guys, keep them on your team. Yeah. Okay, if Zarek is only going to play 15 games this year, that's fine. Yeah. Come on. He doesn't make that much money. He doesn't take much off your payroll. He also is a great human being, and he he is very serviceable. And he's so, also the exact type of player you need for like a midweek away match. Yeah. Like, just put yeah. him in there, give some people some rest. Um, Clint Irwin, I gave him a C because whatever. Sangbin... I just I don't want to judge him until next year. I, I don't think it's fair at all. F. Jan Gregouche, Cameron Dunbar, who I wish Cameron Dunbar got more of a chance. Did you know fucking Daniel Henry played for this team? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Only because only the, because you it, wrote it down right now. Yeah, but, and also in the preseason, <laughs> um, he did an interview with uh, the podcast, the, yep. the club podcast, about how great he's excited he was to come back and play. Mikel Marquez only made one appearance. He was, was he was injured. He was, he was injured a lot. And it was yeah. he gave up the goal to lose. It was in the U.S. Open Cup, right? Sure. It was. It was. He he came in. Immediately gave up a goal. Um, and then Ethan Bristow, I said this uh, in my Substack. I know that it's hyperbole. You have a Substack? Uh, yeah, I have a Substack. <laughs> uh, Jeff Reuter, uh, Alex Schiefer Decker, and I were texting about this earlier today, and Jeff was like, You're dumb. But um, <laughs> I think that Ethan Bristow lost Adrian Heath's job. And this, the, the, I'll give the short of it, which is that that game when everyone was angry and booing, Ethan Bristow was bad. Um, the whole thing has been around like you've been failing this. We've been giving up late goals, etc. Ethan Bristow has been bad. Andy Greeter has been just railing on this thing, and like I think that like Ethan Bristow, Bristow like exemplified this kind of like you are not making the correct changes. The fans have really turned on you, and the fans have. Uh, maybe unfairly uh, focused on this player, but I don't think Ethan was given the chance to like properly slowly bed in. He was thrown to the wolves, which is so what we typically do with our defenders, right? I mean, I said mm-hmm. like you either you either you either fight or swim, right? <laughs> either one of those, and I think that's one of the things that, that I think to counter counter what you said. I think Emmanuel Reynoso lost his uh, was the reason that he lost his job, and I think that's because. Um, we remember the, the situation that we started on this year. Yeah, we did not mention this of this year. 16 games he was out. Mm. Absolutely. But um, I will say, I don't know what to say about Emmanuel Reynoso. I do know that when he came back, he was playing the best soccer of his life. Mm-hmm. Or uh, He was on fire for us. Right, but the, the thing with Emmanuel Reynoso is that he has a... A moment, or he has a set of games where he seems to turn it on, and then 
it and, just dissipates. Yeah. Right. And, and then it, and either 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 he goes back to what we currently know he was he was doing, or he's not, or or the defense is is, is playing a team who who tactically understands what they need to do with him, and then there's no, and and it's like a cycle. We keep going back to that. But the and, fact that you can't tell your uh, your coach, or you or your coach can't tell. For 16 games, yeah, what your star player that you're yeah, paying yeah, yeah, the yeah. most high that is is and, is unexcusable. To and be also honest, go back to what we previously talked about of like the motivation and stuff like that. What whoever is going to come in for this team has to figure out how to get this guy to just play out of his mind because he can play. He came back and he wanted to prove something. I don't know what happened in why he stayed away. I don't think it's as maybe um, nefarious as maybe I originally thought. I think that dude literally just has problems in his life and he had to go deal with them. So maybe I wasn't fair personally to him. Um, but I think that like you just have to, you have to get a coach, you have to get a system that can get this guy because he is the center of this team. Everything revolves yep. around him. You have to get him to just to just get in these big games, which we've pointed out, Portland, these other games where he has not shown up. This last game, he didn't show up. You have to get him on fire, and that guys like him require work. You know, you have to you have to whatever it is to motivate them. So that's this year, and uh, this year was a failure. I think that we can say. Um, you only had to be nine out of fourteen or whatever, and we were eleven. Um, who would have ever picked them to be eleven? Who would have ever picked? Uh, Mark <laughs> did. Okay. Here's what I want to talk about. Um, I want to talk about the the future. Um, the team is now currently interviewing for uh, general managers. We do know, so the team announced today, we're recording on a Friday night, it's party time here, um, that Manny Lagos is like really officially moved out of the sporting direction role. It was a really confusing role where Adrian Heath was in charge of all the sporting stuff, but like, Mark Watson reported to him, but was in charge of the sporting stuff. And Manny had some stuff there. Manny's now over on like this development role, just pushed out on. And that is because the team is hiring a sporting director who will then hire a head coach. Traditional, absolutely. And this is absolutely needed for this club to move and be professional. They need a sporting director who will have that, who will be able to answer the question that I have constantly been asking. If you're not going to be, have an academy, if you're not going to spend on DPs, how will you succeed? This person should absolutely have that answer. No one, and, and I, it's like, no one has been able to answer that. And I, it's like not exaggerating. Like no one has a decent even when we're talking just shooting the shit, they have, they have no answer. No one knows what they're doing. And that creeps me out. Like, seven years of this. Okay, but that's not going to be a cheap option, so... No, no. They should find... And, and they will... I, I assume that they will have gone through a consulting agency. Mm-hmm. And consul- the, the same consulting agency that failed with getting San Jose's person in, but succeeded with bringing Cincinnati's guy in. So... 
I assume that they're bringing someone in, and they should. They need new blood for, like, um, I love this club, but they absolutely need it. And that guy should then go in and say, who are the head coaches we can get? Oscar Pereja, obviously. Mm -hmm. But does Oscar Pereja want to come here? Right? Like, there's a lot of clubs. It's like Extra Time was talking about that a couple weeks ago where they were like, why would he want to come to Minnesota? Unless they said, "You, you get to build this thing. Yeah, and he's one of the few guys who would, who I would say you could bring in as a GM coach, do the both roles. Uh, but I I do think for the good of this club, we finally need that yep. separation. Yep. Um, the problem is that we've like we don't have much sporting knowledge in the club. Sherry Ballard is not a sporting person, right? Like she came from Best Buy, um, and so you need someone in charge of that. And so that's my hope that they do that. So so we're not going to speculate on coaching's coaches right now. You can I, I throw some shit. Now we're just talking general future. What do we need to see GM sporting or uh, uh coaching and player wise? I, I think for a coach I want someone who's they want to say new to coaching but a younger coach that hasn't coached in the MLS to be able to give them because I think we need someone who's hungry, mm-hmm. someone who wants to not only be successful but also wants to create something. And I think this is this is not far fetched, but the first thing I thought uh, was um, Landon Donovan. Mm. I think Landon Donovan uh, could be a person that is, is a fiery person. Will always give you that um, that soundbite that you're looking for. Uh, but also, he's a good know, coach for he's a, loyal. He, he's a he's a he's been a, he's been a good coach. He's proven that with with the loyal before their uh, destruction. Um, but at the same time, he's also been a a a, a good human being in the aspect of fighting yeah. for for. And I think that's yeah. that's someone that you can build around, and someone who has their own following in a sense that you I think can go Manny ahead. played with him in, uh, in at San Jose. San Jose. Um, I think you can look at the the various things. The main thing, if you do that, right, all I would care about is you have a really strong central GM, sporting director, whatever we're calling this role, in charge of it. I think a lot of times if you look at successful clubs, you sometimes have real success with guys who are just motivators, right? They have really good assistant managers, assistant coaches who do the tactics, right? They do, like, look at Roy Hodgson. That guy doesn't fucking mm-hmm. do tactics. Mm-hmm. He goes to the opera. He's like, he, go, he finishes the game. He goes to the opera. And then, like, Daryl. Does all the the <laughs> fucking uh, work? For Harrison Hodgson actually Harrison does. Hodgson, yeah, <laughs> like you, you can have lots of different ways of success here, right? Right. Um, Landon is probably not a, an amazing tactician, right? Great man but, manager, but, but he's a, a superb human being and great man manager. Whatever he did in Loyal was really working. Maybe we bring in a Danny Cruz from uh, uh, Louisville. Danny Cruz is uh, an awesome dude. He will call you, he calls everyone brother. Oh, brother, brother. Anyway, he's one of the few uh, former Loons players who I've had a drink with, and he's a great dude. 
really love him. If he was our manager, he'd be a blast. There are guys like him. John Hackworth as well um, just left uh, Greenville. There's lots of guys out here who we could pull in. Um, I don't know which one is the best. Every year I feel like I leave and I'm like, oh, God, that's the guy to get. Will, uh, um, Wilfred Nancy mm-hmm. um, was the guy last year who was mm-hmm. very obvious. That guy is who you have to get. Columbus brought him in. He's been amazing. They will win MLS Cup this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you can get Wilfred Nancy, uh, I always think if you can get whoever Montreal failed with, you can <laughs> succeed. Because I remember seeing Jesse Marsh fail at Mon- uh, Montreal. Right. And I was like, we need that guy. That's the best guy. Um, I, so. I also think that one of my other options, and it's kind of like a far out one, is um, because they're currently being considered for a U.S. women national team spot, is the uh, the oil, oil rain coach. Yeah. I think that would make that? it. Um, oh, God. I, right, keep talking. Yeah, but I, just overall, thanks for derailing my train of thought. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, I asked for the. I asked Laura for, Harvey? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I want to start with oh, Who knows how to Google? <laughs> Laura Harvey. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I think what, like, honestly, like, to me, like, coaching speculation is all secondary to who can who can come up with the answer to how is a mid-market team going to succeed mm-hmm. RSL is a low market team that succeeds with an academy and guys Utah's academy system is not better than Minnesota I I don't understand like I know that Minnesota has never really the best Products we've ever produced are Teal Bunbury, Tony Sane, um, I, I guess Mandy Lagos, right? Like, we, we don't have a huge, we're not like New Jersey, right? We're not uh, like Texas. Do you, do you think we could be, uh, help Mike, Mike Petke be like a <laughs> phoenix from the ashes? I don't know. I mean, I think with the joke about Mike Pe- my but the problem is Mike Pecky, the way he went out was homophobia. Yeah. And I think a guy like him would really need to just own up to a failure. And you, same with the thing with Bruce Arena. You know, mm-hmm. you, people oh, can, God. you can fail, right? Like you yeah. can make real mistakes. And the problem with Mike Pecky is that, um, I, maybe I'm forgetting. I don't think he ever really he didn't just yeah. just said, like, I'm sorry. I really messed up, right? And Bruce Arena, we don't know what he did. Yeah. And Bruce Arena will get interviews everywhere. He's a great manager. Yeah. But Bruce Arena needs, needs to, to be approved by the league first before he goes. Yeah, he needs it. to be approved. But he also needs to say, look, I did something, and it was a failure. I'm a, I, like, messed up. Yeah, and I mean, his, to, his apology was more heartfelt than other apologies we've had so far this season. Yeah, and 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 that's all that. That's what. But Mike Pe- Mike Pecky is is something. But Mike Pecky is a genre. He's a Lucha Gonzalez. So he's a he's a motivator, right? Mike Pecky has no. He's like tactics. he's like a he's like a B side Freddie Prince Jr. Oh yeah yeah, <laughs> I would say an A side uh-huh. Jr. But yeah, but like. Um, what but else? This, this offseason, so anyone, I want to move to maybe player stuff, but anyone else have, have something to say about GM or coach stuff? No. Not no. really. I think, I think right. we hit it. I mean, we don't know what we don't know. So, so what we know about the player stuff is we have a massive turnover. And, and this is, um, 
we have a lot of players who are maybe out out the door. Um, it seems like Will Trapp is out the door. I was very surprised that before the end of the season, the team was saying that Will Trapp was out the door. <laughs> Which is fucking weird to say. Um, Michael Boxall is probably back. I think Michael Boxall had a very mixed season, but God, that dude—he's one of the very few ambassadors of the team. I hope that he just becomes a, a, an a, a, a assistant coach. Uh-huh. He got really exposed this year. He's he's older. He's he's. Not as spry, um, but I, th- I feel like he—he's the kind of guy who's going to be ripe for like that final yeah. season and a half, like Ike. Yeah, he know? would be—he'd also be great playing the Coleman role of yeah. coming off the bench and but actually do it and well. destroying the team. Propaganda. Co- yeah. co- I mean, no, like, but yeah. I, I, the Coleman role, as in like who you bring in, not how he performed. Yeah. Wait, um, wait, wait. Well, I mean, Boxel wait. does play for the all whites. So, like. <laughs> <laughs> wow. so if you so, let's look at the team at at the end. Right? Right, so you have Dane St. Clair, you have Tapias. You do need a replacement for Boxel. We have to sign another center back. We have Debassi, who's probably out. You have Boxel, who's probably back, but in a one year role. So you need a center back. That's one thing. Yep. Left back, we had Ethan Bristow absolutely, famously shit. Mm-hmm. And also, I feel bad for him because he is only 21 years old. Absolutely. Like, he was just put in a very poor situation. Where absolutely. He should not have been, that he should not have been put in. I mean, he was played on the left side. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he, but he is a left back. So, yeah. right back, I do think we have <laughs> DJ Taylor and Zarek Valentin. If you told me next season we start with DJ Terror, Taylor and Zarek Valentin, I'm actually okay. I'd, I'd be fine with it if if the tactics for a coach who understands like the roster be like, you're, you're not going to have basically wing backs that are going to be running it. Like, yeah, keep, DJ Taylor keep, keep cannot cross. He yeah. can cut back. He has yeah. good, he, yeah. he can do stuff. But yeah, so so that's the background. We do need a left back. We do need a center right okay. back. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, move forward. Uh, Jan Gregush gone, gone. Will Trap gone. gone. Kevin, Kervin Ariaga, I think we still have. Uh, I think you have still have, 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 have an option. So we have an option. And he was injured too. Like yeah. that's, yeah, that's, I, that's still, what, that's I still don't know if he's good at soccer. I, no. I'm, but I do remember. Do you remember like his second game where he there? I, I have mm-hmm. not found a gif mm-hmm. of this. We need to go back and find it where he just fucked with the guy. Where he like kicked it away from. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, go for, grab it. Just yeah. kicked it. With yeah. His yeah. He did this like magic trick. For dark art purposes, if his contract's still like seventy five thousand dollars, I think that's worth an investment. Just for the dark arts aspect, uh, Hassani Dotson's in the midfield. Um, this is his last year. I, I on think, a new contract. Yeah, right? I think. I think you, you have need, to keep Hassani. Around. I think. I think uh. you keep Hassani around. I think he becomes whether he becomes a club legend or just like a talisman for like. I, He's been a great eight. I think this yeah. year he really stepped up. I, I think. I think if you're gonna, who knows what the new what the new tactics are going to be? But I think you keep Hassani as part of the midfield. I think he really did step up this year. I think his relationship with Reynoso is getting better. I think if we're talking midfield, I do think you need another starting caliber eight, and you need a destroyer six, or or we or like depending. You you need. So we're saying we need. We need. You need. Yeah, I do think we need players. a DP six, and and you yeah. look at a few of the guys around. Um, a DP six has always been 
the need. We found Ozzy as a non-DP6, but he was at the end of his career. The way that we've often found real success of like, oh, you get you can eke the last bit of blood out of this. It's like stone. the Sam Cronin thing before he got before he got his Sam concussion. Cronin, uh, Ike Opara, Birch. It was Mark Perch. Uh, left back. Yeah, lesser, but yes, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think I think now, it's a, I think then, it's a DP six. And then to me, like I think you've got the striker spot figured out. Mm-hmm. You've got um, Timu Puki. You've got Sung Bin, who you need to play as a striker. Mm-hmm. I think that we could bring in Christian Ramirez. Uh, that motherfucker is easy to get. He wants to retire here so bad. Yeah. Um, you, you've got you've got Bongi locked down right. Locked down the right. Oh, I, actually. Hold up. Robin Lude is a number eight. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what I was He's no say. longer no. playing on no. the right wing. No. Yeah. Robin Lude's an eight. Yeah. So if you great. go back to next year, Robin Lude's at eight. Who do you have next to him who will do it? Because Robin Lude it, will do some some uh, tackling stuff, but it, you need it, someone it, who's a bit more. If it's a, du- if it's a double pivot like, like we have been doing. If you had you, two you, Robin Ludes. Yeah. Uh-huh. No, well, I think you need I think you need one with a scar over his eye, and that's your DP six. Yeah, and then like, you have like, the, the actual Robin Lud, yeah. who's your like eight. Seget from uh, Street Fighter. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, no, but I, I think if you if if you look at the double pivot, Lud is your eight behind Reynoso, and you need a DP six hands down. If you go three man midfield. Oh. It's a DP six with two eights and Hassani and Robin Luder there. See, I, I think that's your. I think that's I your think starter. we'd actually like. I don't know if the DP six is necessary. Like you can if you go top Tam on a six, you totally can. And then, sure. And then go DP on like a left winger. Finally, just invest in someone that can so, play the left but wing. But left wing. So if if I will look at it, I will say the the primary targets are center back. And the left you don't need side. a DP left fullback. No. But you just need a fucking real left fullback. Yeah. And then you need. Someone left wing. Um, Caden Clark is did play as a left inside forward, as they call it, um, right footed player who plays on the left. Um, he was great originally with New York Red Bulls. Did not do well in Germany. Came back to New York Red Bulls. Did not do well. He, I don't know if he. Um, I'm trying to find the the gracious word to say to he may be someone who like needs to be rehabilitated. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And he's only know. twenty. He's only twenty. Like and, he's and, this, a young I mean, guy. and, and it, it's it's home. This could be the perfect spot for him to land, play here for two or three years, and then move on. But if we could, the the ideal would See. be you have Bongi on the right, Reynoso in the middle, Caden Clark rejuvenated by this new head coach. <laughs> yeah. Timu Puki up top, Robin Lude, uh, DP6, mm-hmm. and then this new center back and a new fullback. That's not that many players. No. Right? That's a pretty reasonable offseason target list. You you need to retain a few of the, the players who are going to play roles. Joseph Rosales. Uh, did play some decent role this year. Mm-hmm. He can play in left fullback. Mm-hmm. He can play left wing. He can play central mid mid. Mm-hmm. Like those guys, you need to keep around because they're real. And you also need a head coach, unlike Adrian Heath, who can get people to understand. You're he- we're all here to fight this role mm-hmm. or fight this the, the, this together and and play our roles. And and that's where I think I don't care who the GM or coaches are. There's a lots of different variabilities. I don't think it should be Gio Severisi. No, I just I, I, so. I think the guy's great, but um, and he's been successful, but he's boring. 
He has a real stolid, um, boring way of playing. We are used to in Minnesota playing really fun, stupid soccer, and I would rather lose three to two. Yeah. Than win one to nothing. Yeah. I mean, if we're if we're if we're gonna like wrap talking about like our our personnel and and whoever's there, like. I think you bring Mender Garcia back off the bench and it gives in it's oh. and it, it's it's Timu Puki, Mender Garcia and and Sang Ben. I think we just need what? to cut. Are you, are you crazy? Mender no. needs to go. Just no. be done but with he's him. not. He's but, not going. But he's to not going to. He's not going to. We're not going to buy out could, his contract. But the thing is, you need three strikers. If you could, if you could get rid of Mender and bring in uh, uh, Christian, Christian Ramirez, I would love it. I, like I, I think Christian should be everyone's second striker. Mm-hmm. I don't think he is the savior. I think that that guy. He will score 10 goals for us next year, and Timu Puki will score 15. If we can get a coach that can motivate Mender and actually get the best out of Mender, then I'm all for that. I, but, like, right now, like, but I, don't, I, but I, don't, think I, don't, I don't rank I don't rank Mender above SPJ. Well, well I, I don't. I, no, I, I don't. I, I, SPJ I, I, does a lot more work. Yeah, that's what I, I'm I mean, saying. Yeah. But, but I think that's the thing we have to consider here is, like, we have no idea the type of person that they're going to bring in and how they're going to be able to motivate no. some of these players. It's, it's Cause, all... Because you know that the, these players are good. They are good players. They are not yeah, just, yeah, yeah. like, totally lost. We... Yeah. So if you get someone who's a really good man manager, can be inspiring, and also just understands how to best utilize those yeah. players rather than trying to shoehorn them into positions that they're not good at, Look, we can see. I, think, I, th- I still think everything that we said applies. Taking a page out of Apple... Um, you get you get a Ted Lasso and you get a Coach Beard. Mm. Mm. I think someone who is a tic, t- you know someone who who mm. knows the tactics super well <laughs> and someone who <laughs> who can go ahead and just really be like a people's people's in a sense, right? Motivate and and then we get to know get to know players. I think we also haven't talked about Fragapani. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, so are we keeping him or are we? No, are we he's going. I, I want that guy to go. Away. His contract's not up. That's what I'm saying. So he's, he's sticking around. I hope he's, he's sticking around. I so really the question hope he's is: gone. the question is, you have Fragapane. No, his contract is up. Is it? I don't yes, think he's. It is. No, he's oh, okay, done. Cool. He's Great. done. He's gone. I, I'm. I'm pretty sure he's gone. I believe it. I. I hope he's gone. I just want him. I want him gone. Well, I, I think that's that that's that's one of the things that you that you do. I think a Caden Clark is 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 a good idea to implement. I don't know how much of the those loons will time heal. If he gets any, right? I mean, that's 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 up to, yeah. to 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 be decided. But I think overall, like we still like. I don't think like with Mark. I think I don't. I don't think we need like a a, a six in a sense of like you know like a DP six. Uh, I think we can make it work with the eights that you have to have someone who's main who's a, who's like a role player that can play that position and still um, be able to just. Um, Connect passes. Let me let me finish back. on this question. Frank Frank Apane's contract. You have is up a DP with uh, Timu Puki. Frank Apane's contract is up next year. Oh damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I hate that dude. Scoot your whole dream. If, now. if I want to do uh, so, DP is Timu Puki and Reynoso. You have one one left. Center back or six? Center, center back. back. Left wing. But you've been on the left wing, so that's okay. that's. Right, but no, but like, oh, I just because like if you look at where the uh, DPs have been most effective at MLS, sure. it's, it's overpaying it's attacking. for, uh, for yeah, attacking yeah. DPs. Yeah, but but you look at you look at somebody like Walker Zimmerman for Nashville. They give yeah. gave him a DP role, like Matt Miazga. 
That kind of shit. Oh my yeah. god. I mean, the thing is, like, I, I, I just, we had a yeah, chance. Yeah. You want to talk dirty? <laughs> we had a yeah, chance last year because that. there was like a number of like yeah. really good center backs. Like Long was available. Like a really good MLS veteran center backs were available. Tim Parker, Aaron Tim Long, Parker, uh, like, Matt Miazga, hmm? Walker Zimmerman. All these guys are. You have to. I would say I'm. I. I so to counter what you're saying, yes, left. We do need a left winger. If you have a fucking center to your uh, center back, like like your team's different. Mm-hmm. Michael Parkhurst was available for us to pick up. Atlanta picked him up mm-hmm. that look first year. Look what he did. And he was like, it was very obvious. I remember being like, Michael Parkhurst there. Get him. And like, you need these guys. Icopara, like how much difference, like our, I would say, Actually, let me ask this. Can you think of one more player more influential than Icopara for this team other than Reynoso, right? Two play- in the last 7 years if we're talking that. In in trans- transformation Trans- no. transforming no, no, this no, team. No. And and Robin Lud maybe. But I was going to say I was going to say Lud. What nominees? Can you think of anyone else? Robin Lud Dane St. Clair, maybe. I mean, you could put Darwin in there just because of how bad Darwin, they were. Darwin, yeah. Yeah, but, but, like, but, but, but I think, but I, I even think if you look at Reynoso, if you look at the locker room, too, and everything all-inclusive, yeah. nobody more transformative than Icopara. And so, like, I just look at that as, like, Icopara was um, not a, a, a life-changing center back. Great human being. Uh, like, really great center back had been injury plagued his whole life and we brought him back and he was great. Defender of the year. Yeah. And like, it's that simple. That is Aaron Long, Tim Parker, Walker Zimmerman. There's, there's a category of American player that you can get there. That is the, the, the Jay Demerit, Connor Tobin, they just fucking fight hard, and they are a, a leader, and you need that. So I would say, I'd bring, t- I'd bring Connor t- your shit. I'd bring uh, Tim Ream back for a year to the U.S. Yeah, from Fulham. Well, we almost we could have brought him back. God. Actually, we we did like way back. He was uh, like, but he wanted too much money yeah. for the what the team wanted right, to offer. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I would say center back to me because I, I get what you're saying, Mark, about a left winger. We do need a game changer there, but I do think um, counter to what all the analytics, pe- analytics people pl- say is that a center back there would change our game. So, all right. This I don't disagree, but I also don't know if there's any American center backs left that we could sign. No, there's no more. There's way too much money we've, in we've, international. No, they're all gone. We're Matt Miazga. Miazga or bust. Yeah. Miles Robinson signed with Atlanta? Nope. There's only five of them. Yep. <laughs> uh, so anyway, my friends, this is the end of the podcast. Thank you, guys. I will see you in like eight years. Yeah. We'll do this again. Uh, thank you. Go subscribe to whatever sub stack we have. Westberdine sub stack? I don't know. Something. Find it. Google it. I love you guys. What, Cheers. What do we? What do we? Wait. What, oh, what is it? How's it go? How do, how do we? How do you end it? You're good you're, enough. You're no. You're beautiful. <laughs> you're sexy, and everyone loves you. Can I, I love you? Can I? I love you. <laughs> <laughs>